Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. This week's episode is brought to you by Baby Sensory Kildare and Carlo. So Baby Sensory are fun-filled learning and development classes for all babies from birth to 13 months. Baby Sensory is the perfect hour to bond and play with your baby while learning baby development facts, milestone information and lots of exciting ways to stimulate your baby's senses. You'll experience a new theme every week and learn hundreds of different activities to enhance your baby's learning and development. You'll love seeing them be mesmerised by the magical Say Hello to the Sunshine song at the start of every class. Multi-award winning and backed by over 40 years of research, you can trust that baby sensory classes are of the highest quality. Voted Best Baby Class in Ireland's Mum and Tots Awards, you can join any time at www.babysensory.ie forward slash Kundair and find out why parents and babies all over the world love Baby Sensory. You also have the option to pay as you go or you can book a block of classes. So to find out more information, if you just visit the website and you can get in touch with Kira, who will be more than happy to help. In this week's episode, I chat to Orla and she talks me through her four pregnancies and three births. So Orla's first little boy arrived at 26 weeks. He did make it home 93 days after he came into the world. He spent some time obviously on neonatal care. She also talks us through life with a premature baby. So obviously it was quite nerve wracking. He couldn't catch simple things like a common cold. It would be a lot more detrimental to his health than it would be ours. She then suffered a miscarriage on her second pregnancy and a late miscarriage on her third pregnancy, losing her little boy, Liam. So she talks us through her experience with loss. She then welcomed her little boy, Tig, on her fourth pregnancy. She was really looked after by by her team, obviously considering her history. She had frequent scans and she also had a stitch popped in just to make sure baby or help baby stay where they needed to be for as long as they could. She also had a plan C-section, so she talks us through all of those details. 
Our interview was interrupted by bad connection every now and then. So just bear in mind, it just sounded a bit glitchy here and there, but I've tried to stitch it together as best as I possibly could. So enjoy this week's episode. And again, I am thankful to Orla for sharing so much as she did and for being so honest. Enjoy. Orla, you're very welcome to the Ireland Sports Stories podcast. If you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your lovely family. Okay, um, I'm Orla and I am married to Dermot. We have two kids. Um, Owen is five and a half and Tyg is just six months. So let's start chatting about your first pregnancy. Was that pregnancy planned? Yes, it was. Um, I had met Dermot um, in 2006. Yes, 2006. And we got married in 2013 and we decided we were going to, after about a year, we said, look, we try and see, you know, but would we have any kids, you know, we'd start our family. So um, thankfully, we were very lucky. We found out straight away that we were, um, we were expecting very quickly. So we were delighted, excited, very nervous, you know, all the things that, you know, the first time parents are. Um so we were living at the time in Ennis. So we went to um, Limerick Maternity Hospital and it was going grand. Everything was going fine. I had one or two little small hiccups along the way. Um, when I went for my um, 12 week checkup and then they, dis- they discovered there's something wrong. And it turned out I had gestational diabetes really early in pregnancy. So um started straight onto the diet, which was... Um, Hard to get it, get used to, but you know it's not the end of the world. So that way, everything was going fine. I used to have a lot of like little bits of spotting and this kind of thing. So I used to go in and out the whole time, and I'd be checked out and said, "Yeah, you're fine. Go home, go home." So then I was twenty six weeks and three days. And I woke up that morning and I had an awful lot of pain. The day before I had actually had a bit of spotting. So I had gone in and they checked me out and said I was fine. But I woke up and it was an awful lot worse and I had awful, awful pain. So first I talked to Braxton Hicks um, because they actually weren't that bad. And then um, they got worse and worse. So I rang the hospital and said, come in again. And I went in and I was in labour. So that was absolutely terrifying. Um, I didn't actually know that that's what the pains were I thought it was something you know you know you wouldn't when it's your first pregnancy you don't really know what you're at anyway so um then um they let in I knew things were bad and let my husband come into um the admissions room because they don't let the daddies or the partners or anybody in so um they called him in and they said to us that um thankfully it was actually really quiet in there and that I was in labor and Fortunately, I was gone so far that there was nothing that they could do, only um, bring me up to the delivery ward. So um, up we went um, and um, we were trying to stop the um, the, the labour. I had got one set of steroid injections for um, baby's lungs. We knew at this stage anyway we were having a boy, so we still hadn't even decided on a name. I had nothing even bought. I didn't have a bag. I had nothing with me. It was just... Yeah. You must have been in total yeah. shock. <laughs> Absolutely. And we went up to the labor ward and I gotten this other magnesium something drip thing and it was just I just remember it was burning, burning through like all my, my veins. I could feel it going through my system and it was the most painful thing. So baby was kicking like mad. 
I felt this really weird sense of calm because I kind of felt, and this might sound really silly, but I, I actually knew he'd be okay. Um, I just, I just knew it. I knew he'd be fine. He was really active that day and it was kind of nearly felt like he was reassuring me that everything was fine. And, um, like even my husband felt him kick for the first time when I was in labor, not long before he actually came out. Out, but um, it was just, just it was just something really, really, really nice. So we um, the co- contractions had actually slowed down a little bit. So um, that was maybe about twelve hours later, not even twelve hours later, maybe six hours after I got in, and um, <laughs> the midwife sent my husband down the out to get me all the bits that you know you need when you're in labour. Um, so my poor husband had to go down to Dunn's down the road in Limerick to try and buy me <laughs> all the essentials. Oh, poor devil. And he came back then. And um, in the end, it actually happened really quickly. Him actually, his arrival into the world because the contractions had like, they had eased off a bit. And all of a sudden then they started going really quickly again and really intense. And my waters had never gone so I think everybody was kind of like in this little thing going okay well we're not there just yet because you know I said my waters but next thing anyway out she came in the bag and all um the neonatal team had been on standby all day waiting for this 26 week baby to be born um so they then were called to come up straight away um I had met with the consultant neonatologist that was on that day so I'd met with him he came up while I was in the labor ward to have a chat about what to expect and all that. So he came up and we kind of knew what, well, we, we, we didn't really know. We thought we were like, Oh yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. But like, we were just in shock. We didn't really know what was, didn't know what to expect. Like, um, I just remember <laughs> it's going to sound so bizarre, but I remember it was a Sunday and um, Kikenny and Galway were playing the Leinster Hurling final. <laughs> I remember lying on the labor ward I'm watching it on my phone with this lovely midwife who was from Galway and every so often we'd give her updates on the score and it was the most bizarre thing it was like as if I was sitting in you know just having a chat with somebody like there was no panic or no nothing like that but um, probably a bit of a distraction yeah a bit bizarre bizarre and so when he was born then and he was booking out in the in the sack we'll say and they I remember the midwives going they were kind of like a little stunned. They were like, they didn't know where to kind of, I suppose, burst it. <laughs> and did you get to see him in the sack? No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, my husband did. My husband did. Um, they were, it was kind of panic stations. And um, then they burst. I never realised there was so much water. Like that was one thing that actually frightened, that shocked me. Like because they bursted and the whole thing kind of went together. I didn't realise that, that like the waters were, were that that much if you get me you know so um then we um yeah so then he was um whisked off to the neonatal unit they had said to me beforehand that like they might need to keep him there to stabilize him a little bit before they try and move him so he um they said it might take even up to an hour so they had him over in like this little um incubator thing and they were stabilizing him and he was fine within five minutes and then they told me they were going down to the neonatal unit and they I'll never forget it they literally I picked him up and reminded me of somebody picking up a chicken, chicken yeah. nearly like it was just this little little tiny thing with this little um little tiny arms long arms and long legs and there was no fat on him anywhere and said that's your baby and then they were gone 
How did you feel? So really proud, which was really bizarre. It was all the all the pregnancy hormones are so bizarre, really, because you know, we um like I felt really proud of myself. Like I was on cloud nine. It hadn't actually hit me. Like I was a mother. I knew like oh, yeah, I was a mother, but at the same time, it hadn't hit me that I had just given birth to a very, very premature baby who we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, you know, it was just it wasn't until a few days later when the reality of the situation kind of actually hit us. Um, yeah, we were just we were in shock. So got the famous Dean toast and I couldn't wait to get down to see him. Um, so they showed me anyway, they brought me down to the to the room. Thankfully, they did not put me into the normal, we'll say, um, ward um, in Limerick. They have two one wards for, we'll say, um, for post-labor. And then they have one that's kind of for, you know, if you're admitted during the um, during the pregnancy. So they put me into that with other moms who were still pregnant, which is fine, which is better because I was dreading going into the... Um, the ward at mommies and their babies, if I'm honest, because I didn't want to, my baby was, I didn't have my baby with me. So, you know, so we went down and to see him and um, we saw this tiny little thing lying in an incubator and he was teeny and he was ventilated and he had all these wires and tubes and everything. And he was just, oh, it was, it was actually, it was, it was, we were so happy and so heartbroken at the same time. It still hadn't really hit us. Like they kept on saying to us, you know, oh, you know, there's increased risk of like, you know, like you might not make it first of all. Like then there's increased risk of like um, issues going down further down the road. But I don't know, it never actually kind of sank in. I just went into this state where I said he's going to be fine. And that's, I think, how I got through the first few days. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And I just, I convinced myself he was going to be fine. Um. So, yeah. Yeah. And were you able to stay in the hospital? Um, yeah, well, I stayed for three nights afterwards, up in, up in the ward. So I was up and down um, the whole time to him. My husband actually stayed for the full three nights as well, which was great because, you know, um, we had our, I had my own room and he was able to stay because, you know, I was up and down. Um, because he was so small, he couldn't have formula. So I had to express and I had to be shown how to do all that. And I had to get organised a pump for at home. I knew I was going to be leaving my baby behind me, obviously, in, in the hospital. Like, he wasn't going to be coming home with me. So um, that was that was actually probably the most heartbreaking thing, was actually driving driving out the gate of the hospital and leaving him there behind in um, in the neonatal unit. Now, I trusted them 100% with him. Um the staff, the neonatal nurses, honest to God, when they they are angels, they really mind those babies like they're their own, and they mind the mammies as well. Um, so I'll be ever, forever indebted to a lot of those, the staff, the neonatal unit, who really did look after him, look after my me, look after my husband. Like they're just they're unbelievable people. Like I'm going to get emotional. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so support wise when it comes to your mental yeah. health what was offered to you there and yeah did you avail of anything 
there is counsellors um, there in the hospital. Um, there was um, two counsellors. That was the option was given to me if I needed to speak to somebody. I didn't. I, I didn't feel I, I needed to. Um, when he was um, when he was nine days old, he had come off the ventilator quite quickly actually, um, and his lungs were really good. So he was only on a ventilator for the first twelve hours, and then he came off the ventilator and he was doing really well. And a day eight, he had to be his. He started having all these braddies, they call them, where they drop their um their oxygen levels. So um, usually what the staff would do, or the parents, if there's if if we were nearby, would say if we were sitting with them, as we'd hit them a slap on the on the on the rear end, and they start breathing. It's like they forget to breathe, mm-hmm. um, or sometimes if they get if they sit, that still doesn't bring them back. The staff will give them oxygen, and you know if it, it'll be fine. The first few times it happened, it was terrifying, but by the end of it, we we're like, oh at all he's just having a little braddy and you just give him a little slap on the on the <laughs> on the nappy and he'd start breathing again but it's about day eight he um was started to have an awful lot of them and um they ended up having to actually bag him to get him breathing again at one stage so they put him onto um back on the ventilator up until then he had been on the CPAP which is just you know he's getting his oxygen and it's, it's this pressure this pressure just to keep his lungs open and um, they actually put him back on the ventilator. And I rang the following morning and they said that he wasn't really very well. So I went in to the hospital and my husband actually had, was gone to work. So I went straight into the um, into the hospital. He, he went back to work because there was no point. He took a few days off with me and then he went back because there was no point in him being at home and me being at home. And, you know, we we're going in and out to the hospital every day, but he needed to save his his leave for when um when baby came home so we went um I went in anyway and things were actually really bad what by the time I got in there and he had been passing an awful lot of blood in his nappy and um they didn't really know what was causing it they didn't know what the, what the story was so um he was very very unwell so um we decided there and then I rang my husband he left work and he came in and um, we decided we wanted to get him baptized. So the hospital organized that. The priest came in and did it. And um, they were struggling. They knew he they knew he needed more specialist care. And they were kind of doing everything they could for him in Limerick. But um, they weren't sure what was causing this bleed. What was, where was it coming from? It's not something they typically see in premature babies. So... Um, they had been in contact with um, Crumlin and with Temple Street and Temple Street decided they, they said they'd take him. Um, so the only other option at this stage, because he was getting so unwell, was, you know, they did talk to us about, you know, comfort care and all this. And if things they didn't know if things are going to be good or would we just have to just let him let him go? So um, Temple Street anyway decided they, they, they they'd take him. So. Um, they gave him a blood transfusion um, because he was losing so much blood um, at the time and he was so, so teeny. Um, so the, there's like this special ambulance has to um, transport premature babies with, the, with a specialist team that has to be specialist doctor and two nurses in the ambulance. So we couldn't travel with him. So he went up that night to Temple Street and we drove up as well. Um, they blue lighted him up from Limerick and we got up there at like three o'clock in the morning. I didn't even know where Temple Street was. <laughs> I'd never been up that way before. So 
we um we got up there anyway and he was in ICU there and um he was doing doing okay doing okay and um, he was stable he made the journey up we were terrified that he wouldn't make the journey up and something had happened in the ambulance and we would be with him um so we got up and we were in the we got um a room then in the parents accommodation there and we stayed with him and the following day they did a um scan on his kidneys a scan on him and his kidneys and they discovered he had a blood clot in his kidney and it was in what they called a renal vein thrombosis so it was in this vein anyway and that's what was causing him to bleed and him to pass all this blood in his urine so they weren't quite sure how to actually treat a baby this small because at this stage I think he'd gone down to when he was born he was two pounds one ounce um but at this stage he'd gone down to like one pound seven ounces or something or one pound eight ounces and he wasn't feeding he wasn't taking any milk he only had this thing called TPN it's like this um nutrients that um that was going into into his veins but he wasn't actually on milk he wasn't well enough for milk to be able to even have any any milk through his NG tube um in directly down into his stomach so um then anyway they were quite quite sure how they would treat this and what they would do and um they decided they were going to try him on this um medication that they would use in any anyone who had a blood clot anyway but um there was tr- the, the difficulty was trying to get the dose so small for him because he was so tiny so they did they gave him this anyway and the um bleeding i had noticed all right in the nappy the bleeding was getting a little bit less and less you know because i i would have would have been watching it you know for the, for the previous day or two so um we um they had another scan and the clot hadn't got any bigger and then another couple of days later the clot had gotten a little smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller so we had two weeks um in Temple Street with him and um by the time we were transferred back down to Limerick then he was actually doing really well he was um he was having milk again and he was off the ventilator. I think, no, he wasn't, sorry, he wasn't. No, he was on the ventilator around till he went back to Limerick. And he was doing really well. There was very little blood in his um, nappy. It was coming up on like the use of dip, use the little dip sticks and they would see it on that. But you couldn't see it in like, you're in, you know, looking at the acid or anything yeah. like that. So back down to Limerick, we were so thrilled back home and, I was, you know, it was it was tough going being up there and being away from, you know, your your family and like we had made an awful lot of lovely, lovely friends inside in the neonatal unit in Limerick. It's one thing about neo, like you're you're in there, you can't have your um you can't have anyone come into you. Like you, you can't have your your parents or anything like that come into it. They don't they only let in the mom, mom and dad. So one thing I did find was that like you would get to know other moms and dads really well. And, um, you know, especially the moms, because we used to be in there, you'd be in there for the whole day and you'd have to pump because, you know, we had to, you know, express milk and we'd all be sitting in the one room like with, with, <laughs> with these pumps and just chatting. And I think you know, you'll always be friends with somebody that you've done that with. <laughs> A nice way to support each other, I suppose. Absolutely, because they knew what you were going through. They were the ones who, um, who you when you had the little milestones, like the little tiny milestones, like you know, 
I remember one day going in and he, he was on the CPAP machine, you know, the, with the pressure to, um, um, and the oxygen with this. So he had this little mask thing. I remember going in one day and he had gotten too big for the smallest mask. And it was like the best thing ever. He was actually too big for something. <laughs> so it was, yeah, he dropped down to that. He was two pounds one when he was born. He did one pound seven was the, the smallest he had gotten to. And I remember going, oh my God, like that's, that's teeny. So, um, yeah, it was very bizarre. And the, fun, the strangest thing actually was when I was 24 weeks, I remember I was 24 weeks on the button and I remember saying to my husband, now this babe will survive if he was born now. And we laughed about it. And she like, little did we know two weeks later that yeah. this is what was what was facing us. So he ended up anyway staying in the neonatal unit uh, for 93 days. 93 days um, after he was born, he got home from the neonatal We actually got to bring him home. So it was terrifying. He was five pounds, um, six ounces when he was um, when he was um, discharged, I suppose. And he it was two days before his due date. So he was due in July and he arrived in uh, he was due in October rather. And he arrived in July. So, um, yeah, it was very bizarre. I mean, we weren't really out of the woods yet at that stage because he had no immune system. He had you know, a, a, a bad cold would land him in hospital. Um, there was this thing called RSV, which if a normal person got it in winter, um, like he came home in October and this is like a, a winter kind of a, a virus. <coughs> Excuse me. So if a normal person got it, he'd have a bit of a dose. You know, it would be, it wouldn't be anything too serious, but it can be fatal in premature babies. So, um we had to cocoon him a lot. Like we we're so used to being on lockdown with him. Like we we I was I obviously I took time off work and um if I had my husband has gone to work and I had no milk, then I had no milk for the day because I couldn't bring him into a shop, I couldn't bring him out into public, I could walk around outside, that was fine, but I couldn't bring him in anywhere. And um, we used to have to go to the all right to the hospital. I used to be petrified going to the hospital for appointments and I'd have like the rain cover over him going in and everything while we'd be inside just to mm. just to try and protect him a little bit. But thankfully anyway, he was he was fine. Um like he's done really, really, really well for a 26 weeker. He's actually fantastic. His lungs are, are good. Um, there's no delays, no developmental delays. Um, we had an awful lot of checks, an awful lot of like, we were signed up with early intervention because he was um, so premature and we used to have speech and language, we'd have physio, we'd have occupational therapy and he was fine. He's fine since. He's five and a half. He'll be six in July and he is in um, junior infants and flying it. Flying it. And do you know what caused you to go into your premature labour? We don't know. Okay. We don't know. Um, we do think, um, do you think it, I just, I have a, a, a dodgy cervix is pretty much what they, what they reckon. Um, and um, that's what, what happened. They can't say for definite that's what it was because um, I wasn't, I suppose, I just went into labour like they hadn't been monitoring me for that or anything like that for a short cervix or one that's, you know, just literally just couldn't, can't hold my babies in. It's just one of those things. So um, when I got pregnant again in 2018 and 
yeah, 2018 it was. And then that was another, we decided we would have another baby. Um, Owen was three. But sadly, that ended in a mis- miscarriage, which I think is one of the cruelest, cruelest, cruelest things to happen because you're plodding along, you think everything is fine and you went for a scan and then no sorry like your baby has been passed away weeks ago and I think that's it's, it's so cruel the body doing that to you is just so cruel it's it was mad now I was eight weeks and I had a tiny bit of spotting and I and um they booked me in for an early scan and I went in and they they couldn't see like anything it was like an empty sack so um like that said come back in another week but in the meantime I had actually um a um, private scan had booked for that week anyway so I went to that and I t- explained to you what the woman what was going on and what had happened she found our little baby and our baby only measured five weeks and sure at this stage I was oh god I was nine weeks anyway so I went back and they measured me again and the sack had grown slightly and they told me to come back another week and at this stage I was just like oh my god are you for real? Mm. So it was so, it was torture because I just wanted, as far as I was concerned, I wanted it all over and done with. I just wanted everything to be, I wanted to back to normal. My, this baby hadn't made it. So I just wanted to move on. And that sounds terrible, but I just, I, I needed, I needed it to just be, to be back to myself and to be back to normal again. And um, I went back another week later. And my first scan, actually, the, I had another scan then the following week and it was cancelled. So I ended up having to wait another couple of days. And I remember feeling like this was going on forever. I, I was still plodding along. I still had all the pregnancy symptoms. I was still like, you know, like as if I was pregnant. Um, it was really, really, really cruel. And um, we got then eventually anyway, and I got for my scan and they confirmed that it was a miscarriage. I was given my options. So I decided to go down the surgical route because I just wanted it over and done with. So they... Um, I don't know what they call it now. It was a DNC. I don't know what they call it now. Yeah, still a DNC. Still a DNC. I thought they had another different name on it. So um, I went in for that then. Um, and the doctor who was who was bringing me in, the day I had gone in for the scan, said, oh, you know, you'll be in that morning and you'll be home like, you know, that afternoon kind of evening. So I said, great. Our own was in crash. So um we said fine. I said, look, sure, hopefully be home, you know, in time for that. And if to collect him, and if not, my husband is going to go collect him um, in crash and come back for me. So then anyway, um went in, was admitted. I was waiting and waiting and waiting, and the afternoon came and it still wasn't done. And I was going, Oh my god, like and my husband was waiting with me. So he eventually had to leave to go and collect our son from crash. And I was there in a room with another girl who was in for the same reason I was. And um, I'm, <laughs> um, I remember sitting there and actually getting so cross just with the world that I was in this situation and why couldn't, why, you know, was it me and why did my pregnancies have to go so badly? And this is my second pregnancy. My first one then was, you know, the premature birth and so cross with the world. And about, I think it was around 11 o'clock that night, I was finally brought down for the procedure they'd had. One of those days where it was emergency after emergency after emergency. And like a DNC is kind of far down the, the, the list of priorities. So they um, eventually brought me down and um, I it was all over and done with. 
I was relieved and um, they wanted me to stay then overnight. And I said, absolutely not. I was not staying under any circumstances. So my husband was at home with our child and he got up at half three in the morning and he came and he collected me from the hospital because I was not staying there. I didn't want to. It was my son's birthday the following day. So I just, I didn't want to. I, I had to be home. And I remember sitting in like the, um, at reception in the maternity hospital and the security guard was like, are you okay? So I was sitting there, it was middle of the night and I was there with bags and everything. And I was really upset and I was crying. And um, the poor guy came over and was like, are you all right? And I was like, oh, I am, I am fine. I'm just waiting to be collected. And he, he left me alone, thankfully. But um, my husband then, collected me he had our son in the back of the car who thankfully is a great heavy sleeper because he never woke at all my husband lifted him out of bed into the car I found out that miscarriage quite hard actually because you know nobody knew, knew I was pregnant beforehand and I didn't really tell anybody like even my own family like my siblings my mom nothing until um afterwards so I was kind of you know I was very strange like it's very strange telling somebody that you've had a, a miscarriage like that anyway I, I don't know I don't know. And then everything was um, like everything was, I hate to say, everything was done. It was all, it was something that has had happened to me. I had been going through this and I had met with my, my, my family and, you know, I was still technically pregnant, but I knew that it wasn't a successful pregnancy. And I was still sitting there and I was smiling and I was saying nothing. I, and I met with friends and then I told them afterwards. It was just, it was just how I, I, I needed to deal with it. I needed to get my head right first. Before I could actually talk to my family or my friends or anything about it. So then um, we decided to hold off on um, a couple of things happened with our careers and stuff. And I got a new job and I kind of we said we'd hold off for another little while um, before we try again. So the following year, it was 2019, we um, we decided to go again. And thankfully, again, we got pregnant quite quickly. And this time I decided that I was going to go down the private route with the hospital. I wanted somebody on my side. Not, not that I never felt that they weren't on my side. I wanted to go to the same person all the time who was looking after me. So I went to a consultant anyway um, and it mended from a very good friend of mine and other neo mommy that I had I had met and um went to her and she said yes there's loads we can do for you we went through everything that happened um everything that happened with Owen and she said to me that it was more than likely was a dodgy cervix and what she was going to do was she was going to put in a cervical stitch or cer cervicalage mm -hmm. so um that was grand she scanned me baby looked fine and we um I, she booked me in for I was just shy of 15 weeks when I was going in for the um procedure so it's done under like a spinal um anesthetic and it'd usually be one night in the hospital um um, after after the procedure is done, um, I had discovered in the meantime yet again that I'd had gestational diabetes very early in pregnancy. Again, I think it was week ten this time, and my sugars had been all over the place. And I actually ended up being admitted while they were trying to get um, it all under control. And um, because after I had um, my first pregnancy, my sugars went back to normal. I was completely normal again. It's like as soon as I get pregnant, I seem to tolerate. It at all my sugars go haywire so I was on insulin and that pregnancy and um had then anyway we had the procedure and it was success and 
um, we're delighted. And my I was due to go back to her for another scan in, uh, a week later. So um, I was just shy of 16 weeks then and um, I had felt very off after the procedure. Very, very off. I hadn't, I didn't know what to kind of expect. So I felt a bit of pain, you know, um, I just didn't feel comfortable. Like sometimes I'd, I don't know, I just really bad, I really felt like I could feel my uterus, which makes no sense at all. Like I could feel the outline of it. So um I had been to my GP for something else and I had mentioned it to her and she said, oh, well, it's probably just from the procedure. So I said, okay, grand. And it was the bank holiday weekend, the August bank holiday weekend. And I'd been up um, visiting my mom and my mom was saying, oh, you know, maybe you should, um, you maybe you should go and um, get in contact with your consultant, just make sure everything's all right. And I said, oh, well, look, I'm going in for a scan anyway. And um, that week, so, you know, everything will be fine. So the day of my scan, I was, after cooking dinner for um, for myself and Owen, I remember feeling really unwell when I was eating dinner. That, that morning I had woken up and I had felt really energized I felt really well I felt I said great now this is second trimester I'm well into second trimester now and um you know think I'm starting to feel a little bit more normal again I wasn't as tired I felt really well until I was eating my dinner that evening and I was about five o'clock in the evening and um I was due in for a scan at seven she was going to scan me she was still in the hospital she's going to scan me that evening so um I said grand um so I was having dinner at five o'clock and I started to feel really sick and um, I, I remember going up to the bathroom. I thought I was going to get sick. And um, then I started to get pains in my stomach. So I said, God, this is really weird. I was wondering first, was it like digestive issues or what was this? And um, I was, so I kind of finished getting ready and um, the pains were getting worse and worse. So I put um, my son into the car and I um, drove and my husband is working. So my husband, I rang him and he met me on the way and I was driving with these horrific pains. I don't know how I actually managed to do it. So um, I got into the hospital and I went straight into the admissions and um, I was supposed to meet my consultant down in the scan room, but I just went straight into admissions because I said, there's something seriously wrong with me. And um, the pain like was horrific. I was getting them out you know a couple you know every few minutes and um I was absolutely terrified so um they um the the midwife there said oh we know we'll, we'll get um on we'll contact your consultant so I said grand I knew she was she was in the building anyway she came up to me and I was still having these pains and she checked me out and she said it could be just you know a, your bowel spasm and something like that she said right we'll start now we'll give you some um something to stop the the pains and we will have a look and see what's going on then I said fine that's grand and I'm still lying there and they, she gave me this injection and still was having these awful pains it was and next thing anyway I felt my waters go and I went into the bathroom and I that was was bleeding at that stage so I called the midwife and the midwife came back um, and she she rang the consultant who was still there and she said um, she came back then and the consultant came back up to me and she said, right, look, we'll bring you in straight away. So I'm scanning and see what's going on. So um, all this time I was on my own. And my husband is out in the car trying to find somebody to <laughs> would take our child 
desperately ringing everybody we knew in Limerick. I uh, couldn't get anybody. Eventually, my sister drove like an hour and from uh, like over an hour and a half away to come down to mind him. And I went into this scan room. I have had bad news in there before and I went in and um, she scanned me and I could see it on her face that there was something wrong. And you know, when they um, listen, with, with, when they're doing an ultrasound and they listen and you usually hear that and this was just a static noise. So I knew, and she checked it a couple of times and then she turned to me and said, I'm really sorry, there's no heartbeat. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yeah, I am. And I just... <sighs> So she told me that there was no um there was no heartbeat and that she was really sorry and she'd um um bring me up to the have to bring me up to the labour ward and take out the stitch she had put in the week before so that I could what was happening was my body was trying to pass my baby and it had figured out um that you know things had gone right and my baby had died and um it was trying to pass but the stitch was stopping from passing so um um I I've started to feel really sick as well then I was shivering I they thought uh, then straight away they were concerned I was getting an infection so the lovely midwife I remember begging her absolutely begging her to, for a blanket and um, because I was so cold I was just shivering I just I was please just give me a blanket and this was August so it was like the middle of the summer like I was just I was so cold so she brought me up anyway to the labour ward. My husband is still out in the car and I didn't even want to ring him and tell him. I, I, how could I tell him that, like, over the phone? So she brought me up anyway and I begged to consult. I said, please, I don't really want to do anything until he's here. I would rather my husband was here with me. Like, So she said, OK. And she gave me, um, she got um, antibiotics into me. I've off really bad veins. So she'd call in the consultant and just to get these lines into me. And I remember this this one came into me and she was so nice. And she was like, do you know what you have? And she didn't know like that I was after losing my baby. And she was like, oh, like, you know, oh, is it a boy or a girl? And I was just going, I said, no, I, I said, I don't know. I says, um, oh, I'm still really early. So, you know, I wouldn't know. Or so I said something, I didn't want to say this is not, you know, this is not a happy situation because I, I knew she'd be kind of, I suppose, maybe a little bit mortified, like, you know, or a little bit uncomfortable if I just said, oh, you know, so I just kind of said nothing. And um, she got the, the lines in anyway. And then um, I started on, on these um, antibiotics and I was still having all these pains, but I had the gas in air. So at least it was a, was a little bit more tolerable a bit and um then my husband came in and he had gone in looking for me and we finally my sister finally arrived so he he um she took our our son and um he had come in looking for me I don't know he can get me on my phone and um they told him where I was he came up and he knew though he knew going up he knew there was something that wasn't good news like so um we had a little few minutes to ourselves and a little cry together and it was just, you know. Um so then um I had the stitch was removed and um out came our little baby boy Liam straight away actually. He came out straight away. So um the loveliest, loveliest midwife was there, um Aideen, I think her name was. She was so nice and she was so kind to us. And um 
you know, we were we were heartbroken. It just happened so suddenly. You didn't have time to prepare for Liam's arrival or even think or start processing what had happened. It's just all happened so suddenly. It did. And there was um, like everything was fine the week beforehand. No issues. There was no concerns whatsoever. I'd had the procedure done. Everything was everything was 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 fine. There was there was nothing of any concern whatsoever. So um so um I had this awful infection. Um and like um the consultant I was under, she came into me the following morning. She was actually leaving. She was on her way to the airport. She was actually going going on away like and she came in and I remember saying to me like that look it's probably she said was you know more than likely was probably um some little you know that some condition some abnormality that you know just this is this is more than likely what it was so I said okay and she said she'd see me in a few weeks um when she got the results back um from we asked for the test testing to be done on it so she, the part of the percent had been sent off to do the the um, DNA testing to see what was what was the cause of it. Um, was there any conditions? Was there like um, any abnormalities there at all? And um, there is this one room, and it has like a big, massive double bed in it, and like the dads can stay too. Well, this was all pre-COVID. I don't know what it's like now, but like my husband was able to stay with us with me, like for the full. I ended up being in for for six nights. And um, because I had such a bad infection and I had to have all these antibiotics and it was horrific. I remember the because uh, I have such bad veins, the line only lasted for so long and then to be there and to be trying to get lines into me. And it was horrific. They used to wake me up in the middle of the night, trying to put these lines in to give me all these antibiotics. And I was trying to grieve. We were trying to grieve for our our our, our child, our, our son. Like we you know, we we knew then. We had found out then it was a boy. Like, um, so uh, once he was born, found out it was a boy, and uh, we called him Liam anyway. Um, straight away, we knew that was that was kind of our name that we had picked, and um, we met then with the um, with the bereavement midwife, and um, she had to organize everything what we wanted to do with baby Liam what we wanted to have him, um you know burial cremation what were our options everything so we um we decided that we'd have him buried we were in the process of moving house at the time so we had to go to like we were moving out of Ennis out into a little small little village outside um about 15 minutes outside so we had we decided we would have him buried there so we'd go there and try and find it get a plot and luckily the local undertaker was fantastic and he really 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 helped us out a lot and had everything sorted for us and we had a small little um small little service from the priest um the local priest just said a few words at, at the at the grave and did a few prayers and um we had to tell then as well the other issue we had was we had told our son um Owen that we were about the baby because I'd had I suppose I was out of the woods as far as I was concerned I was out of the first trimester I was in hospital um so I didn't want him to worry. I wanted to, he's a very sensitive child. He's very, he's very clued in. So I can just fob him off with some little, little excuse. 
Um, so I said, we, we told him like um, about the baby and he was so excited. He was going to be a big brother. And I remember the bereavement midwife, I just said, oh, that was the only thing I was focused on. How was I going to be able to tell him that he's not going to be a big brother anymore and that his brother's gone to heaven? And how do you even explain that to a four-year-old? How do you explain it at all? Like, so that was the big, that was a big thing. Um, a big, that was difficult. Very, very difficult. What advice did the bereavement midwife give you? She just said to me, um, and it's so true. She said, kids, they're so, so resilient. She advised us to be honest, let him ask any questions he wants. But as long as mommy and daddy are OK, they'll be OK. For a child his age, that's what she um, she advised us. And just to be completely honest. And that's what we did. We um, we brought him. We my um, sister hung on to him for like the week that I was in. He he was staying with her and we told um, it was very, very strange, actually, because when it happened, I rang one of my other sisters who's a very calm person. And I remember I rang her and I said to her, I said, look, I said, do not interrupt me. I said, I'm going to tell you this now. I said, don't ask me any questions. I said, and will you just tell everybody else? I don't I, I'm not, I can't do this. So I just said to her, I said, we'd had a baby. Our baby had passed away and his name was Liam and that we didn't want anybody to contact us. I'd, I'd contact them when I was ready to. So she did that. She went and told everybody for me because she's she's very calm and she's very, she just said, okay. And she just did it. I knew there would be no, um, I don't know what the word is, no, she'd be able to control her emotions. So um, yeah. we, then anyway, when, we, when Owen came back from staying at my other sister's, um, we told him what was going on and I remember breaking down. He was when I was telling him, like I said, I'm really sorry, love. You're not going to be a big brother now. And he just turned to me and he said, That's okay, mommy. And I just went, Oh my God. He said, It's fine, it's okay. And I tried to explain to him about Liam and we had the little funeral and he didn't really understand, of course, what was going on with that. Like, you know, I remember all he wanted to do was run around the graveyard when 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 the whole thing was going on and I was trying to hold on to him and <laughs> So um, we um, we we had left Liam in the hospital when when I had been discharged because we had um, the funeral was planned for I think two days later. So we were back in then. While I was in there, it was actually really great because they were staff were so kind and they used to bring him up to me um, and we'd sit, we'd talk, and we'd tell him all about his family and. Um, then you know me and my husband used to um just we just spend time with him and they'd um bring him back down then well and I went home and he he was still in the hospital and um I think the following day I think I drove back in because I just wanted to spend a little bit of time with him and um we did that I did that and then we went to collect him the following day um the day of his, his little funeral and um we brought him then to the um to the graveyard and we had the the little service for him and um my grandmother had passed away as well at the same time and she made things really difficult as well her funeral was the following day but I didn't I actually didn't go to it it's terrible like um I just wasn't able for it I gone up I went up and I said goodbye to her but I didn't go to the funeral and. So then, then um, 
we were just in pure shock after that. We came out, used to drive out every day to his grave and um, we were waiting then for the results of the, um, the results from the testing that was done. So um, the consultant said it'd be about six weeks. So we, um, I got in contact and she, yeah, the results were in. So we um, arranged to meet her. She said she'd meet us at night in the evening time or, you know, what we, um, we were kind of caught. We didn't really want to tell anybody that we were having this meeting and we'd have to tell somebody to get somebody to babysit for us, mind one for us. So we just, um, he was in question at the time. So we said, no, can we just get, you know, meet you during the, during the day? So we went in then and I remember sitting in the waiting room and like, I was so distraught because like I was really upset and I was surrounded by loads of pregnant women and I was just like, I can't believe like, you know, I was so in here only not that long ago and everything was so happy and I was so delighted and this was going to be like, you know, with so much faith and this was going to be it like and so we um, met with the consultant and she just said she was a perfectly normal, healthy baby. And I don't know, I just broke down at that stage and she didn't know why this had happened. Um, she did think that it possibly could be, like I had an infection, but that seemed to come on more when um, later on. So it was like, which came first, you know, the, the chicken or the egg? Did I have the infection? And that's caused me to lose lose Liam or did I, I lose Liam and got an infection then? So, um, you know, we had kind of, I suppose, talked about it ourselves as well. Like what would happen if there was some sort of a genetic thing and how would we cope if, if it's something that's from both of us and, you know, we might have been lucky on the first baby and, you know, were we carrying carriers or something? It was just, there was an awful lot going on. So when it was kind of, it, it was a relief in a way to find out that there wasn't that issue, that if we were to go and have any more kids, that, that we didn't have to take that into account. But at the same time, we'd never actually find out for definite why we lost Liam. Like, and that was a heartbreaking thing. That was the absolute heartbreaking thing. And I remember she, like she said to me, you know, um, she, uh, she said, you know, if you want to go start trying again straight away, if you want to. And I remember going, all I wanted at that stage was to actually be pregnant. All I wanted was to be pregnant again. I just, it was like this unbelievable urge that I just wanted to be pregnant. I had to go back then to the um, to an endocrinologist just about my blood sugars. My sugars were fine after um, we lost Liam. I was fine again straight away, same as every other pregnancy. And um, I had, um, yeah, so I had... Um, um, sorry now I'm kind of lost where I was going to say so I had to go back to him as well he wanted to see me again before we tried officially again so back to him and he said it was fine if he wanted to go again or whatever so um I we decided right okay and like this I was kind of like I'd like that I just I just wanted to be pregnant so so badly and we started trying and we got pregnant again straight away and um I remember like I was like, am I mad? I remember when I had actually seen the positive pregnancy test. I remember going, am I mad putting, our, putting myself through all this so quickly and everything? And 
I was just like, I, I knew, I knew this pregnancy, I'd have to be minding myself so much that I would be no work. No, um, it was, it was going to be like, not on bed rest, but on a lot of rest, no, no walking, no exercise, no nothing. And, um, I was kind of going, oh my God, am I doing this like to myself? And I was away. I was, I, I had like, I found out and then I was up, I had to go to Dublin at work and, um, um, I was up in Dublin and I was going, I remember my sister, my sister was, what happened to be in Dublin the same week working as well. And I remember I told her and I was going, I like, I'm just, I, am I mad? Like whatever. And we had gone out for food one evening and it was just before like it was December so it was all lovely and Christmassy and um we must have walked like for about three hours that evening and I would think to myself okay well that's okay now my blood sugar should be okay <laughs> that would probably help it like and I was still so early and um so um I don't even think like I was even the four weeks pregnant at that stage but like my blood sugars were still starting to go a bit mad like straight away so I had rang the diabetes midwife and I said to her what was after happening and she um, booked me in. Now, to be fair, she's fantastic, Yvonne. She's actually, she's so knowledgeable and she um, booked me in straight away for um, a glucose tolerance test to check my, my, um, my, my sugar levels and did that anyway. And she rang me that evening because she knew I was so worried about it. Like, cause she had come up to me after we had lost Lee and you know I, I she she knew me so she rang me that evening and she said oh I was just checking your results um she says oh you fail miserably and I said great so um to be fair she had me in straight away um on medication like everything was you know back on insulin again she was fantastic and I just I texted the consultant then when I was I found out I was pregnant as well and she said she'd see me quite quickly so she did she scanned me at six weeks and everything looked fine and then she's scanned me again three weeks later nine weeks everything was grand so the plan again was to go with another stitch and so I said okay so she brought me in even earlier this time she brought me in at 11 weeks for the stitch this time and I remember been in the hospital and it's like this this triggers me like something in me I just I get so anxious look I I know we've had really crappy times in that hospital like so I know what it is myself I know it's just like it's just the the actual building it's been there I wonder is there a bit of PTSD there completely um we'd never yeah, we'd never had a good result. Like, I know we have our, our son on and he's fine now, but like we'd had such crap time in there. So um, we were there anyway and um, my mother-in-law came down and she minded our son for us. My my husband took the time off work and he came in to stay with me. Um, this was about January of last year. So um, we were in there anyway and my there was yet again emergency after emergency it always seems to happen like I, I'd say you know so um that day I was supposed to be done um quite early they said you procedure quite early and then my sugars because uh, you have to be fasting for it so my sugar starts go a bit mad and they were dropping a lot because I didn't have any food and they were trying to get lines into me and I remember the anaesthetist came down and he was trying to get a line into me. And because I was so dehydrated and I'm like, I'd no, 
they couldn't get a line into me and he was at me and at me and at me and I'll try here I'll try here and I remember I just had this massive panic attack just just this massive panic attack I started to just cry and I just couldn't breathe and my poor husband didn't know what was going on and the midwife the most loveliest midwife was looking after me that day Suzanne um she was like you know are you okay and I I just I wanted the the poor nieces didn't know what to make of me I just I just needed everybody to just leave me alone and I was mortified after and I know it's silly and I shouldn't be mortified but it just reminded me of after we had lost Liam and they were trying to be trying to get lines into me and hit my hand and oh it just it just brought everything back and I was in like the same ward and everything so um um eventually then the, the um consultant anesthetist came down to me and she was great crack she came in and she was uh, she really put me at ease and she said I said to her I said please I said can you um knock me out completely for this procedure I do not want to be awake I'm worried that I will have another panic attack so she said she said oh well look she discussed it with the um with my consultant the obstetrician and um they would rather me not go under they'd rather just do it um the spinal so I said okay I'm so I'm so worried about having a panic attack down there and she said look I'll give you a little something she called it a gin and tonic she said I'll give you a little something that'll make me keep you a bit relaxed well, I went down anyway and <laughs> I had the spinal and I said to her, I said, oh, you promised me a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Just before the picture started. Well, I roared laughing for the whole lot of it. <laughs> I roared laughing. I talked. The, oh, my God. I'm actually nearly embarrassed at what I probably said to them all. Like, yeah, so I was I was discharged then. The consultant had sent off one of these, um, a swab off anyway to the lab and came back that there was something, I can't remember what it was called, that kind of was like, it was something that every woman has, but I seem to have it in really high numbers. So to be fair, she went off and she researched it and she went to somebody in the States and asked, got their advice and everything. And they um, she put me on antibiotics for the whole pregnancy then after the stitch um, just to make sure that nothing kind of happened. And um I was under strict instructions. I was to sit down. I wasn't to do anything. I was to just mind myself for the whole pregnancy. So um, I was went back a week later, another scan and everything was fine. Baby was fine. Um, then when I was kind of dreading coming up to like the 15, the 16 week mark really. And I got past that and we found out then that... Um, I did. Oh, I was admitted actually before that as well, just because I got what I t- uh, an infection, a bit of a kidney infection. I had symptoms of a kidney infection, so they admitted me anyway for a few days and um, gave me antibiotics. But I was fine then, and um, went on then and um, had a scan at about seventeen weeks, and my husband was in with me, and that was um, we found out we we're having a boy. Um, because that seems to be all we we, we could make <laughs> tree wise. We went anyway, and um, um, every week then I was scanned every week, which I'm just so grateful for. I had a couple of little bits of like spotting, and I would just text the consultant and she said, "Come in, and I'll see you." Or you know, to be fair, she's great. Like she was great. 
and um, then the weeks were ticking by and I came up then to 26 weeks and I remember when I was 26 weeks I had only 26 weeks and four days and I remember when I was 26 and five days I was like oh my god it's the most pregnant I've ever been you know I could never truly relax I was kind of like something will go wrong something will go wrong and um, my sugars then were a bit mad I found it really difficult to control them so I was on a really high amount of insulin I just have to ring the diabetes midwife every week and we go through my figures and she was great like she, you know she was fantastic she gave me her number and everything but a direct line you know if I ever if I ever needed to had, had any issues or anything like that and um so then I had to go in for um oh no before that then I I remember saying to the consultant I never asked her until like I got to maybe about 28 29 weeks and I said to her so um when are we taking out the stitch and um, so she goes, when during your section, and I went, what? <laughs> because I had all naturally, like, and I never had even dawned me that I would be having a section. Never dawned on me. No, as far as I was concerned, yeah. I never, it just never, it never, it was never on my radar. It was never on my radar. I was going to go in and I was going to have this baby and that was going to be it. So I said, what? And she said, yeah. She said, um, you actually have a, a, there was a kind of an issue with my pelvis and that only for all so small. I mean, I was able to have him, but my part—it's you know—I would it wouldn't be really very. It kind of be high risk for me to have a, a term baby. So I said, okay. She said, if you are, if you go yourself, maybe you know, thirty-two, thirty-three weeks, which could have happened. That was always our aim was to get to 30, thirty-two weeks. That was the the goal from 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 day one was always just going to get me to try and get me to thirty-two weeks. Um. Then, of course, COVID hit in the middle of it all. And my son was home then from um, from creche. He was still in creche at the time. So um, I was going, oh my God, how is it going to manage? My husband is working from home. I had to try and mind, um, mind Owen, like a four-year-old, um, while I was supposed to be resting, which wasn't the easiest thing, really wasn't the easiest thing. When I look back on it now, I was so um, anxious for that whole pregnancy. I, I know I... I understand like that I had an awful lot of crap you know things happened to me in my previous pregnancies I get that but I just couldn't I couldn't relax I couldn't relax and I just kept on thinking something was going to go wrong right up until like I am um, I booked I was booked in for a section at 37 weeks and up until the day before I really was like something is going to go wrong like you know it's not going to go to plan it, it won't like it won't go to plan <laughs> went in then and I had been I had been warned because I was on so much insulin and I had such issues that baby might have breathing issues and so I remember the consultant one of my appointments and near the end the consultant said it to me she said look just to warn you this is what might happen she said you know and um, that might because of all the insulin and I have such issues with my blood sugars and everything that you know I she said baby will probably have to go to the neonatal unit and I was like all oh, right okay and she said, might have issues with breathing so I was like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a ventilator or what? And she said, no, maybe just a bit of CPAP. And I was like, oh, well, look, if that's all, like, you know, it's not the end of the world as far as I was concerned. We had been through so much with Owen that if we ended up down there, so be it. Well, then anyway, I went in for my section. I was admitted the night before and I was, um, I remember going in and my husband had dropped me off because, of course, with COVID and everything. And I was trying to lug all my bags in and there was, they were so busy and they had no room for me. And I remember sitting in, in reception for about, I think, I think it was close to three hours 
waiting for uh, a room to become available. And then I was eventually put into into a room on the um on the um the antenatal ward, I suppose you call it the one that's you know for the, all the um usually what they do is they put you on M1 or M2 where you, and you go in and you'd have you you'd you'd be there in that room and you go down and then have your section come back to the same room but they had no room for me so um so I knew I was first morning anyway and I had told my husband he had to be there for eight o'clock but really he only had to be there for half eight but I was worried that <laughs> He would, something would happen. So I rang him at, um, when he was leaving the house and I said to him, he was panicking. He was like, oh, I'm a bit late. Like, I'm only going to just about make it. I said, no, you're fine. You actually have an extra half an hour. So he was outside in the um, in the car park waiting. And he, um, so they, that morning, I was really, I wasn't even nervous. I was still expecting something to go wrong up until that day. Like up until I was going down, I expected something, something was just going to go wrong. And um so um yeah so that morning anyway my section I still was I couldn't believe that I had gotten to term anyway that was that that get gotten to 37 weeks I actually couldn't believe it like um and in the end um Tyke was breach anyway passed the section either ways even if you know so I went down and the morning of the, that morning, anyway, my husband is in the car park and he um was there waiting for the for the nod to come in. So the midwife had come in to me and said, oh, just have to be in an emergency. So you might be delayed. And I said, OK, fine. And she came in two minutes later and said, actually, no, they're ready for you now. And I thought, oh, my God, like I wasn't prepared for it. So um, I rang him and I said, oh, my God, look at the, on the corridor. So he did. And we walked down. And I remember because I had been on that ward so much. I'd been there for the week beforehand. We'll say after we lost baby Liam, I've been in and out so much, and I got to know so many of the midwives, and they were all just, just so lovely. And I remember walking down by like the, their 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 nurses station. I felt like a celebrity, and I was just like I was like oh I was going down then, and um like my husband outside was like I can't believe we're doing this, and um then we went anyway, and. He did the usual thing. Um, he got his gown and they brought me in then and did the um, did the um, anesthetic and I couldn't believe how quick how quick the whole thing really was like and how relaxed it was and I wasn't it was just it was just lovely and um, um, then when baby came out baby was born and I remember going oh my god like they said oh yeah he's out but I couldn't hear anything and then it took him. Then next thing, he made his presence known and he roared the place down. So he was perfect and he had no issues whatsoever with his issues with his blood sugars, nothing. They were all issues, things that they were concerned about. I remember like they brought him over to me and I was like, no, I'll give him to my husband because he had such limited time with COVID with all the restrictions that I really, I wanted him to kind of have that little bit of a special moment so he held him first and we had kind of a name picked beforehand we had a couple of names but Tyg was the name we were all we loved we didn't want to decide for death until we saw him so then we were like okay it's Tyg Tyg is the name and it was it was fantastic and um Stitch was removed everything he went out then to um out with with baby Tyg and they removed the Stitch and stitched me up and did everything they needed to do and um, we were out then in recovery and it was just the most amazing thing. We were just so happy. And 
my husband had to go and I can't describe I just felt so alone and so sorry for him because we had come like we had had so many heartbreaking days in that hospital and we'd finally gotten a good and a happy ending and he couldn't even stay there and I just I broke my heart that he had to go home like and he wasn't allowed in for the next few days so um, I look, I know every, I know everybody has gone through that. Anybody that's had a baby during the COVID times has gone through that. Like, um, so I went back down to the room anyway and um, had, I had it in my own room. And But <laughs> Tyke decided he didn't like lying on the cot. So Tyke had to always be on top of me. And I remember this woman coming into me and I don't even know, I can't remember what she was. She was like, she wasn't um, a midwife, right? it was something to do. I think it was signing forms or something. I said to her, are you, are you actually okay? Because I was falling asleep while I was talking to her. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just so tired. And like, all I wanted was like, for Jeremy, my husband, to be able to come in and just stay, like I could say, here, hold the baby for the next hour or two until he wants to feed and then wake me. Mm-hmm. And I could, could just sleep like, um, the day then we were, I was going home, um, Jeremy came in and he had all with him and, um, we wanted it just to be ourselves anyway that day and um he so we didn't get anybody to mind him so he owned was five at this stage so he had to sit in the car on his own I felt really bad that he was out sitting in the car outside but look my husband had to go up and get my stuff and went down and he was so excited um he I, I remember we put in we put in the um baby beside him he was so excited we the most beautiful pictures of him because the two of them the two boys sitting in the back seat like together you know back of the car so it was just it was just lovely and like we brought him home then and everything was just so nice like I'd never I suppose it's only now I kind of look back and I see with Owen like having him so early I actually see how much I missed out on that I didn't realize at the time because I didn't have anything to compare him with and like having this premature little baby and been so worried about every milestone and was he meeting this milestone and all these things I couldn't show him off I couldn't bring him out I couldn't do anything it's only really now that I'm kind of going okay I kind of see how much I've missed out on with with Owen like now that I see Tyg and I have Tyg and he's just he's the most beautiful happiest little baby and he's doing everything you know he's he should be doing when he should be doing it I'm not worried I'm not concerned I'm just you know everything is just like I can I know there's like we'd say COVID or whatever so I can't really bring him out the same way as I would with if if, if COVID wasn't here but um I still just so much more just more relaxed and it's just it's just so lovely it's just so lovely. Orla thank you so much for sharing your story just considering the amount of different experiences that you had I know so many will find comfort in yeah your episode thank you again. Thanks. Thanks for it. I'm really, I'm really glad now. I actually really glad I did it now. I have to say, I really am. Yeah, it's only talking to you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via the website at www.irelandsbirthstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.